A quick note before this week's episode, it was recorded during the 2023 WGA and SAG-AFTRA strikes. Without the labor of the writers and actors currently on strike, the film being discussed here would not exist. Yo, man, it's cool. It's cool, man. It's cool. Time's Diana. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're up to 3 a.m. like always. Look, you've got to call the police. There's a payphone in back, but it's broke. Look, you don't understand. There is a maniac trying to kill us. Welcome to New York. Hey everybody, I'm Joel Murphy. And I'm Andy McIntyre. And this is Silver Linings Playback, the podcast where we watch maligned movies and we find their silver linings. And it's October, baby. It is. It's spooky month. Spooky time. Spooktown. It's ten past spook o'clock, baby. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> This is all the world's fault. I don't want to be like this, but everyone has insisted the last few years of calling it spooky season. I'm, I, can we talk for a second about how I'm not okay with that? I'm not either, but this is me trying to embrace it. This is what you get with if you want me on board on this. This is what it sounds like. Yeah. Uh, so welcome to uh, Spooktoberfest. <laughs> yep. Yeah, uh, it's Halloween month. It's October. We do scary movies because there's a lot of bad ones. I think what we need to talk about as a society is the fact that, the, you know, obviously onomatopoeia is a great thing, but I just like the word spooky doesn't sound spooky. Like if you call something spooky, it doesn't actually evoke what it's meant to evoke. But if you call something spooky, then it does. It still doesn't. You're wrong. Wait, try it one more time. Spooky. Okay, yeah, I take it back. Yeah, there you go. Right. Um, yeah, spooky as a word, it's not a very spooky word. No. But Which is it, it is the word we've decided for something that's like delightfully scary is, some, is spooky. I guess, but every other word is better, like fright and terror, bone chilling, blood curdling. Yeah, all of those sound good. And then it's like spooky, <laughs> spooky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I mean. I, can, I don't know what to tell you. I didn't I didn't make up the English language. Hold on. Let me try one more time. Spooky. That's just funny. That, that <laughs> just that's just that's just amusing. Um, it should spooky. just play the Benny Hill theme instead. <laughs> 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 
With someone, um, I mean, that has to exist, right? Is just sped up Jason set to the Benny Hill theme. If it doesn't, what are you doing, internet? Yeah, just internet, you failed. Yeah. You were undefeated and now you've lost. To Jason, which makes sense because he's I mean, he is an unstoppable killing machine. That's, that's like Until his whole he thing. Isn't. But then he is again. And, but yeah, right, but then he is again. Until he isn't, and then he is again. You know, while we're sitting here correcting the English language, I think that he should be an occasionally stoppable killing machine. I mean, that's a more accurate description of, of his deal. He is an occasionally stoppable <laughs> killing machine. Yes. A sometimes stoppable killing machine. Yeah, that's him. That's his deal. Yeah. Um, so we watched, this is the eighth movie in the Friday the 13th franchise. Jason takes Manhattan. And it feels like the eighth movie that we've watched that Jason has been in, but I think it's only the third. Yeah, we did FVJ, Jason X, and this one, so three. Yeah. No, we've done four because we also watched Jason Goes to Hell. Oh, that's right. So this is the fourth. So that, that makes sense. This is our fourth Halloween doing this show. Yeah, and there's been a Jason every year. <laughs> and we got another half decade before we run out. Yeah, I mean, at some point they have to get unmaligned, right? I don't think so. Because we started at the end. Well, the end of the original, but then there's also the remakes and such. But, like, we've weirdly been going from, you know, we started with Freddy versus Jason and then have been working our way in reverse order for whatever reason. Yeah, I, I, I mean, why not? I guess just because, I don't know, they've gotten more infamous with each movie. It could be that. I mean, I think that also, like, we've done, they've sort of been in line with themes that we've done, because, like, last year we did the Hell movies, so we did Jason Goes to Hell. Um, I believe we just we, did I, I think we pitched this last year, if I remember correctly. We did. We, yeah. pitched, uh, we pitched doing um, uh, urban-themed horror movies, and, and Jason Goes to, Jason Takes Manhattan. Yes, which I don't even think, I think this is the first time we're actually officially saying that, but that's what we're doing this month, is specifically... Horror movies that take place in cities. Yes. Uh, and yeah, and it's, I'm excited for this theme. We, we pitched it last October and we stuck to our guns, baby. Yeah. We're, you can, we're reliable. You can count if on us. nothing else, you can yeah. count on your boys. Yeah. To our... pitch freaking gold. Exactly. And get utterly ignored by Hollywood. Yeah. And The Rock, who we just learned after all we've pitched for him refused to go to WrestleMania 39 where we were both there knowing full well that we would be in attendance. Yeah. Which I'm heartbroken about. I am. I'm crestfallen. I'm Kevin heartbroken about it. A change of heart is, I'm sorry. That is a billion dollar movie. It is. And I know that the rock doesn't need money, but you know, buddy, think Nor about does it. Kevin Hart for that matter. That's also true. But, but Karen, you're, you're telling me people wouldn't go see, a body switching comedy starring Kevin Hart and The Rock. They definitely would, and they'd pay a lot of money to us for it. Yeah, and you don't even need a script. That's the script. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like, in that's our the pitch, whole they're, script. They're themselves. We didn't even make up characters for them. No, it's it's literally the them doing a body switching comedy, and mm. for some inexplicable reason, one of them is best friends with Craig Robinson. Also yeah. playing himself. 
<laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, 100. I think they should both be co-best friends with Craig Robinson. And he's the one, the first one to realize that that The Rock is Kevin Hart and Kevin Hart is The Rock. It's like he they to keep up their ruse. There's a classic scene where they they go to explain it to him. They're like, we got to tell you something. And he's like, oh, The Rock, you're Kevin and Kevin, you're The Rock. And like, it's that kind of what? thing. What? Yeah. How'd you know? Man, come on. Yeah. And then they just keep rolling. Yeah, et cetera. Yeah. And he writes a song about it. Mm-hmm. So again, this, uh, you know, uh, Hollywood AMTP, I know you're going to be hurting for money in a big way because you're greedy monsters. Mm-hmm. So uh, this would be a way to get some of it back once uh, the strikes end. Just way to get a lot of it back, I think. Like more than half of it, at least. Yeah, I think so. For sure. But anyway. Well, yeah, no, let's talk about Jason Takes Manhattan. Um, no Jason movie makes sense. I think we need to start there. Yes, that's very true. Except Jason X. That's an in a, unimpeachable. Uh, unassailable. Script. Yes, yeah, yeah. unassailable movie. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, no, so no Jason movie makes a lick of sense. Uh, so far, this one makes the least sense of all. Yeah, it. Well, I okay. I think, I think we have to track. So, the movie is called Jason Takes Manhattan. It takes him one hour of a one hour and forty minute movie to get to Manhattan, which is just an important starting point to think about. But yeah, which is actually perfectly in line with uh, Freddy versus Jason and Jason X, in that the uh, stuff teased in the title doesn't show up until the last reel. I will say of the three of them, at least Freddy and Jason are both in Freddy versus Jason throughout the movie. It does take them a while to fight. They don't fight until the end, but they're at least both around. Yeah. Jason X, it takes forever to get to space Jason. And uh, this this one is the most unforgivable. But let's I said that to set it up. Let's let's track this, because I think to your point of this not making any sense. I think we have to walk everyone through how Jason, a killer whose entire thing is that he kills people in a very specific location, ends up in the Big Apple. Yeah, and it makes perfect sense. Um, no, this movie is so it starts with uh, our scared teenagers banging it out and rehashing the entire plot of the the friday the 13th series the overarching plot because someone very clearly at paramount thought this is the eighth friday the 13th movie for sure we have to treat it like this is the first time someone's seen one and what if someone's seen it for the first time yeah what if someone started what about that guy what about that guy how could he possibly understand this intricate plot which is Guy in hockey mask murders teenagers. Yeah. Occasionally stoppable killing machine. Yeah. Uh, Kills teenagers until he doesn't. Around this one lake. Right. But yeah. So anyways. So the. So I think also I know we're trying to get to how he gets. But I mean, the movie's in no hurry. So I don't know that we should be in any hurry. It's I think we do. We should take a moment to try to make sense of this scene. Because sure. There's a lot of. Uh narration that's happening this guy has to give the whole backstory of the franchise 
but he does it because he's on a boat with his girlfriend and they're about to have sex but he stops to tell her to Jason's... tell her a ghost story yeah when I think back in my younger and more impressionable days, all the times that I interrupted an amorous situation with a, with a little spooky story. Uh, I wasn't quick enough on it. Yeah. Um, but now part of Jason's thing is that he is rather slow and lumbering. And so you kind of have to suspend disbelief that people couldn't just run away from him. But man, do these two not try. Well, these people, and this is going to be a reoccurring theme as we talk about this movie. These are weird robot mannequin people because they, the way that they have sex, and I, you forgive me for being indelicate, but I, I think this is important to describe, is they stand in front of each other rigidly, you know, and... Like, then, at attention. At attention. <laughs> and I don't mean that euphemistically no. at all. No, like, they could both balance a textbook on top of their head and then the guy robotically moves his arms up to the girl's waist and pulls her pants down in like the most just inorganic in a movie way that features, imaginable. In a movie that features an undead corpse lumbering around the screen for most of the runtime, this is the slowest thing that happens in the movie. I'd also argue that in this particular movie, Jason might be one of the most human characters. <laughs> You're not wrong. I mean, where's the lie? But yeah, so they it's very weirdly staged. Very, and I, it's also one of those things of, OK, you decided that you need to describe the plot, which you don't. But it, you've decided that and you've decided that you want to have two characters who are about to have sex on a boat explain it sure fine have them be into it have that be the reason that they're there like why is it new information like have it just be like hey we have sex on like like you're a weird it's like creepy all we do is bang in this boat on the off chance that we get to see jason that's or our like, kink our kink is is having sex in weird murder scenes or whatever and so like then they they, they talk through well, what's this one you know well this is so that's that's way more characterization than anybody in this movie has right but so anyway so he describes the plot and of course uh jason climbs onto their boat and kills them both that's where that's going well, and I, like, I just have to talk about this. Like, it is not a new phenomenon for horror movies to be very much directed from the male gaze. Yeah. This scene, like, they're like just making out and it's like, you know, it's a head and shoulder shot. And then the camera just pans down to her boobs. Yeah. Apropos of nothing whatsoever. It's it's just it's it's so weird and bad and dumb. And also, again, all and of the movie feels, hasn't even started yet. And again, it's it's both that, you know, like where it's just weird and you're just trying to show a woman's breast. But then also because everything is staged this way, it just feels like a very plotting camera move to be like, here are breasts like nothing is. And in, now boobs. Yes. Yeah, that Although, is like, I mean, honestly, you can one word describe the character that takes the most words to describe. Is Jason because he is a occasionally stoppable killing machine, right. occasionally stoppable killing forwards. Yeah, because uh, uh, in this in this opening scene, you have guy character whose character is guy. Mm -hmm. And then you have girl character whose character is boobs. Yes. And then they die. Yeah, they're both murdered. And then 
Okay, so this is we haven't forgotten our mission. So he has to get to Manhattan. So he's right. on this boat in a in Crystal Lake, famously a lake. Where he murders people. Where he murders people. And that's kind of his jam is that people usually come to him for whatever reason. He just hangs out in the lake and murders you if you happen to stop by. Even yeah. in Jason X, when they go to space, they just create a holodeck and show him Crystal Lake. In to order lure to, him to a trap to get rid of him. Because that's how much his thing it is. Yeah, that's how much. Um, but in this movie, Crystal Lake High School, because that's now a thing, mm -hmm. decides to take a tramp steamer to New York City. <laughs> yes. And so... For their graduation cruise. So, through editing, we see that Jason is on this boat and then somehow ends up on their tramp steamer that's going across the Atlantic Ocean. So somehow, I guess we are to believe that Crystal Lake feeds into the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah, I mean, if you want to get technical, you can get from any natural body of water to any other natural body of water. But it's not always navigable and definitely not navigable in a tramp steamer. Or the boat that he just killed two people on. Right, which was on Crystal Lake, and the, the, the Camp Crystal Lake uh, steamship left from Crystal Lake. Yeah. So he went from one boat, and he's like, killing on boat is fun. Let me kill on more boat. Yeah, so then he gets on their, yeah, their boat that's going uh, to Manhattan. So we're, we're making progress, because the boat is going to Manhattan. So we're on the right track. Yes. Um, <laughs> so then we have our lead character, Rennie, whose character is girl. Yes. Tra oh no, her character trauma, trauma, trauma girl. Trauma girl. Trauma yeah. girl. She has two yeah. words. She's she has development. Yeah. Um, and then uh there's the chaperones. Uh there's the guy whose character is Dickhead. Yes. Like this like this character, let's talk about him now, because we're gonna be on a meandering plot. I I have never seen a more irrationally mean character apropos of absolutely nothing in any movie ever. Yeah, he's just the worst. Like, he's every cliche of, you know, you mess with the bull, you get the horns. He's just every administrator that you've ever seen in any movie, all rolled into one with nothing redeeming about him. Um, Although, is oddly only willing to make out with a student a little bit? Well, he does seem horrified. He's entrapped by a student who wants to get an incriminating video of him and does think twice of it but does allow himself to get to be put into a position that is compromising on film not that right. it matters because he's murdered right and then um because he gets filmed by the character who's uh uh whose character is video yeah there's video yeah uh and then there's the other girl whose character is rocker uh excuse me i think she deserves a little bit more her character is pat benatar Okay, her character is Pat Benatar. Because 100%, if you're wondering what this girl looks like, they handed someone a photo of Pat Benatar and said, do this. That is how we ended up with that character. Yeah. Um, there's, then there's the character who's uh, entraps the, the principal or the dean or whatever, this dude, science professor. Um, she, her character is Mean Girl? Yeah, like, I guess mean slutty girl, I think, is fair to add, you know, because, again, her her most of her plans involve either the promise of Sada because in that scene, she's both 
trying to seduce the the evil administrator to because he's still grading papers. That's also confusing. I guess the school year is still happening, but she's trying to entrap him to get an A on a thing by getting blackmail video of him. But she's also getting a video kid to film him by sort of promising him that she might be interested in him, but isn't. So she's using her feminine wiles or whatever you however you want to say it to get men to bend to her will is part of her character i guess yeah she also Uh, straight up tries to murder the main character yes she does push her overboard and somehow the ship is either stopped or going so slow that they're they they catch her quick it's also made clear that she cannot swim so she's pushed overboard she can't swim yeah, the boat isn't moving, apparently, so there, someone is able to jump in and save her, but presumably, that's murder. Like, she just, on purpose- that's attempted in, murder. In front of a crowd, shoves her into the water, because she's mad at her, because she thinks that she sold her out for, uh, like, they're doing drugs. I think they're, what are they, smoking pot or whatever? No, and, they're doing coke. Oh, they're doing coke, and they're just caught by- the administrator because they're not being subtle about it but they assume that she narked on them which she did not because they saw her right before they saw the administrator yeah so they just assume that she must have told him and not that they're using coke on a school trip out in public on a boat when there's only so many places for anyone to go and it's not hard to run into someone right um and so jason's on the boat uh he first murders pat benatar he hits her with his best shot fires away yeah he he kills her with a guitar because yeah know, yeah yeah uh straight honky-tonk man sir mm-hmm. yes <laughs> he or, kabongs her or for the younger uh younger this is this is the most contemporary i guess elias would be the most contemporary i was gonna say jeff jared but that's not yeah, particular. That's, yeah. i'm gonna make it even more dated he el kabongs her <laughs> Whichever of those works for you, you know. Which because we know we have we appeal to all ages on this podcast, so yeah, um, yeah. So then Jason's on the boat and he is slowly murdering people. He murders because uh, also presumably it's a cruise, you know. So like I hope that he's you know maybe playing some shuffleboard. He's you sipping know, maybe, a mai tai. Yeah, so you want to relax. Like he's doing work on vacation, aka murdering people. But you want to hope that he's also taking time. To relax. If there's one thing I know about Jason Voorhees, it's that he's not great at the work-life balance. He's uh, committed to it. He's he's his job is his life. Yeah, and that's that's the real problem. No one should be unstoppable at their job. You need to turn that off. You need to stop. Uh, And I mean, so again, the real villain in this movie is capitalism, (laughs) as always. (laughs) As always. Um. (laughs) But no, he goes around killing people. He kills Video. He kills Pat Benatar. He kills Slutty Mean Girl. He kills uh, making her film debut, Kelly Hu, uh, whose character is Asian. Yeah, she's friends with the Mean Girl. Right. She's the other one that's like doing it. But doing she's, the coke. she's nicer, but that doesn't help her in this movie. No. Because she and doesn't she doesn't want to be a Mean Girl, but she's friends with the Mean Girl, it seems like. Yeah. And um. I, this is a, a fun fact. In all of the Friday the 13th movies, she is the only person that is strangled by Jason as the way that she's killed. Okay. That was an IMDb trivia fact that I know and now you do. Yeah. 
Um, we're going to come back to the IMDb trivia because that is a silver lining, but we'll talk about that later on. All right. Um, because I just have something that just very much tickled me. Uh, so Which, then, uh, while we're at it, tickling people is, I believe, not a way that Jason has killed them. I haven't seen all the movies to make that guarantee for sure, but that sounds right. Yeah. That although Jason notoriously ticklish. Fun fact. Yeah. It's also, by the way, th- that that was his strategy for taking Manhattan was to not tickle. But when the Muppets did it, that was Elmo's main strategy. Yeah, Elmo was all about the tickling um, and getting tickled. He's like, yeah. tickle me. I'm yeah. Elmo. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so <sighs> this is the scene. This is the thing that might make the least sense in any movie I've ever seen ever. Wow. So Jason throws video into the control box, whatever. And the dude catches on fire immediately. And uh-huh. so the ship starts catching on fire. Yep. And then Jason hits the fire alarm. <laughs> yeah. So Jason, who notoriously uh, only actually lived 10 or so years on Earth before mm-hmm. he died in a drowning accident that led to his mother having a psychotic break and murdering campers because they uh, had sex instead of saving her son. You also, know, whoa, as you do. Whoa, Andy, are you trying to seduce someone on a boat? Slow down with the recapping Jason's life thing. <laughs> yes, I am trying to seduce someone on a boat. Do you like that? No. Yeah, baby. No. Are you into that? Nope. Come on. Nope. Yeah. You know that's hot talking about Jason like that. Anyways, um, yeah, I, I watch, I rewound and watch that nine times because, <laughs> because it didn't make sense. No, it doesn't. Uh, and just the fact that like, uh, mean, mean administrator the whole time is like, someone just hit that as a prank. It's like, no, they didn't. Yeah. Now, granted... You know, you could have given him a thousand guesses as to who did hit the alarm, and he never would have guessed Jason. No. It'd be weird if he did. Because he's also the one who keeps being like, he's dead in a lake. Yeah. Yeah. There's also, by the way, I don't know when we're going to get to talk about this guy, but there is just a guy on the boat who's just walking around going like, we're all going to die. Yeah, that, that guy exists. Yeah. Um, so eventually, because the boat catches on fire, girl... Boy, mean administrator and aunt and boxer get off the boat. They're the only ones who make it to Manhattan. This is an hour into the film when they finally get to the docks of Manhattan. And that means the rest of their graduating class, all the people that are because there's dozens of kids on this boat. We've seen six at most get murdered. I think it's more like four get murdered because because, yeah, because mean girl, Asian video, Pat Benatar. We see them all get murdered. Right. And the movie makes a point to show us other people who are on the boat when they get on the boat. Which means they all die in a horrific flaming boat accident. Or they're murdered off screen by Jason. One of them. Yeah. Because he also does kill the like the captain of the ship as well. That's true. He does kill the captain. Yeah. Um, And then they row to Manhattan. They do. Now, if I were making this movie, and Lord knows I wanted to, 
Uh, I would have had Jason hiding in the rowboat. Why not? The whole time. Just hanging on the bottom of it. Yeah, or just like under like a tarp. Yeah, do that. Um, And even like have a few more people on the rowboat and have Jason slowly be killing them and no one knows how or why. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Um, Just the other thing is like... it's n- people running away from slashers and slasher movies never make the best decisions, but everyone that's on a boat goes further down and that's just dumb and bad. <laughs> they don't go up to the deck where there might be an, a modicum of safety. Yeah. Nope, it's the opposite go... of running up the stairs in your average horror movie. They run that's down fair. the boat. Yeah. So this, this flipped the, flipped the script a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so then Jason gets to Manhattan and nobody cares. And that I love. Well, but also, we need to take a minute because the first thing that happens within five seconds of these survivors of this boat fire massacre getting to Manhattan is they are immediately mugged by two men. That's right. And uh, and girl is uh, forced heroin. Which she no-sells for the whole movie. Does she she like half sells for a little bit and then is a like her body processes that heroin immediately. Yeah, the, the like she is fine 5 minutes later. She she is dizzy for a little bit. Yes. But yeah, they cart her off to assault her and they Which makes me think in the late 80s maybe the heroin they had in Manhattan wasn't so great. Yeah, that I mean, that's fair, you know. But uh but they drag her away from the group, which the, the kid who is the boxer wants to go save her. But the horrible administrator who always chooses the worst option is like, no, they said they'd murder us. So let her die. Yeah. And then Jason saves her by murdering yep. the two guys. By murdering the two street punks. Yeah. And then she escapes. We also haven't mentioned, but the whole movie, she is she's. Just clearly, again, as we said, her thing is trauma, but she's also having visions of Jason's past. Yeah, I would say like psychic visions of Jason because uh, she was thrown into the lake to learn how to swim and almost drown. And so by bad professor guy, by bad professor who it's never entirely made clear what their relationship is, but they've clearly known each other her whole life. But he's not her dad. No, and her because her parents died and she was being raised by her aunt and we will talk about her death in a second. Right. But but yeah, I so because she she almost drowned in Crystal Lake, I guess that makes her psychically connected to Jason. And you might be sitting there going like, oh, that's interesting. I wonder what they do with that. And the answer is nothing. Yeah, not a not a gosh darn thing. It's just that she sees a deformed faced child version of jason sometimes yep uh but he does save her but then goes back to trying to because that's the thing he saves her but it doesn't seem like he's saving her it just seems like he's murdering the other people and would have murdered her as well but luckily she processed heroin quicker than anybody in the history of time ever and runs away Mm mm-hmm yeah, and, and then, somehow meets up with boy and then she meets up with boy. And then for some reason, again, this, this is unexplained. Jason is now in Manhattan. So we've got we've done it. We've gotten Jason to Manhattan through the very logical 
uh you know boat on crystal lake to steamer ship on crystal lake to the atlantic ocean to manhattan and then he's there but he only wants to murder the people that were on this boat even though he's now in a city where presumably a a city with a population at the time of 6.5 million people yeah where he could just be killing anyone and everyone he does kill other people like these you know the the like muggers or whatever and he kills the people in that opening clip but he's mostly fixated on just the people from the boat well because he likes to kill people with a connection to crystal lake you know he's a creature of habit if nothing else right so he's chasing after them and uh yeah i okay do you want to talk about the the ant's death well yeah, because I think the other death that happens before is absolutely a silver lining. So we're going to yeah, hold I off. I figured on, we were saving on... that for the silver linings. Um, so. Uh, doped out of her mind, girl. Gets into a police car with everybody. And they drive and then she has a Jason hallucination. A hallucination. Jason. That's good. You like that? I do. I, I just came up with that. I'm I am. I'm going to lunch. <laughs> I'm calling it now. Um, and uh, crashes the car. Everybody immediately gets out. Yeah. Gets way too far away to notice that one person isn't with them. Yep. And then the car explodes. Yeah. Her beloved aunt, who she definitely cares about based on what's happened up to this point. And the only and, person who truly cares about her. Too. Right. Um. And the only thing that she knows sells more than the 20 cc's of heroin that she shot into her arm is the death of her beloved aunt who raised her from a child. Yeah. Like, utterly no sells it. Yeah. To be clear, Donald Trump had a stronger reaction to Vince McMahon blowing up on Monday Night Raw than this woman has to her aunt blowing up in this movie. Yes. Um, yeah, it's, it's nonsensical. And then this is when she has the uh, recall that uh, mean, per- mean administrator, mean teacher uh, is the reason she's afraid of water. So they're like, no, we're leaving you. And then they just leave him and he gets murdered by Jason. He's drowned in like a rain Bad catcher. Of toxic waste. Rain catcher barrel full of toxic waste. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because also we need to talk about this because it becomes incredibly like increasingly relevant is that in this film's version of New York, which to be clear is Toronto, um, Vancouver or Vancouver. It was Canada. Point being, it's not New York. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. But uh, it was shot in Vancouver. But they it being the 80s, they seem to. I, I guess their research for what New York was like was watching the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles films because yes. they seem to believe that toxic waste existed on every corner of New York. And they flushed the sewers with them every night at midnight. Yeah, that 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 is literally a plot point in the film that just a deluge of toxic waste is just dumped into the sewers. And that's actually how Jason is defeated is by the toxic waste in the sewers, which presumably, I mean, uh, because of how unsuccessful this film was, Paramount ended up selling uh, the franchise to New Line, which is why this is the last Friday the 13th, and then they started just being called Jason such and such after this. 
Uh, but I have to assume had Paramount continued to make the films, their plan would have probably been that Jason became the toxic Avenger. Yeah. Because he his hockey mask is melted off and we see his deformed face get more deformed by toxic waste. Yes. Yeah, it's um, he unmasks once off camera to that was the clip that at the beginning of that clip, what happens uh, because it is visual, which is a shame because it, it is uh, fantastic is as he's stalking the two girl and boy as they end up in the diner, which is the end of that clip as they're running down the street. He follows after them and there's this group of just punk kids with a boombox and Jason just punts their boombox. It's and, awesome. And they're they threaten to attack him and then he removes his hockey mask and they're so terrified of his face that they leave him alone. Yep. Uh, and then, yeah, as we mentioned, Jason dies in a, the, the, the nightly flooding of toxic waste in the New York sewers. And then the dog survived. I did like that. I like that a lot. That's... I thought that was nice because, yeah, the girl has a dog that was. I Did we even see the dog on the rowboat? We must have, the, I guess. The dog did make it onto the boat. Yes, because for a while, the dog is lost on the regular boat and she's looking yes. for it. Yeah. And that's how she runs across the girls doing coke. Yeah, because she's looking for a dog who was just running around on board of the boat. It just and one of the great things about the 80s is. uh that if you ask somebody if they wanted to party, that meant do coke. Yeah. Or if you ask someone if they partied, that meant do cocaine. Yeah. That's, what that's a time what... to be alive. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and then they defeat Jason. And then I don't know what happens after that, because now they're in New York and everyone that they were with is dead. So I their don't know. whole graduating class is dead. And it's not even like the girl can call anyone because the only person that she would have called is her aunt, who is her caretaker. But she blew up in a car and she didn't care. So she right. has no family left. And boy's father was the captain of the ship and he's also dead. Oh, right. So I guess they're just stranded in New York, both of them, because they're, they're per, their parents are just dead from this. And, and she's already developed a heroin habit. So she's, she doesn't have much time left. No, she's she's got a rough go of things like that's the real tragedy of this movie. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um. Let's pivot. Well, before we pivot. okay, let's okay. because this isn't Milani, but I just want to ask this question because I think it's an important question to resolve before we get into the silver linings. Did Jason take Manhattan? No, no. Okay. I just want to be clear on that. He did not. So, because, all right, now correct me if I'm wrong, but my definition of taking Manhattan Mm -hmm. is that you have to meet the son of a famous Broadway producer. Yeah, that's part of it. Who is being given the chance by his father to produce a show. Right. Yeah. Checks out. That you produce with your friends. Yeah. And then get entrapped into a marriage. With your, like, best friend from college. Well, I think you're forgetting an important part, which is that you have to have amnesia. And you have to go work at a, like... An ad agency. An ad agency. You have to be a madman. You have to go corporate. You have to be a corporate, like, madman. Completely forget your friends and this woman that wants to marry you. And also, at some point, very vital to taking Manhattan is that you have to have a flashback 
of you as a precocious child in order to uh, backdoor pilot a future animated, animated television series. series. Yeah, that's a big part of it. Jason Babies <laughs> will make your dreams come true. Which I would watch Jason Babies if it was I done. I would watch Jason Babies. If it was done exactly like Muppet Babies, where it was his mom instead of the nanny. The, yeah, and it was just just his mom. You just saw her socks and her shoes. And it was just him. It was the same like stock footage fantasy sequences, but there was always just places that Jason was imagining murdering people someday. Yeah. I would I would watch the hell out of Jason Babies. And then, well, see, here's the question, because so if you're doing Jason Babies, though, he has to have friends that he's hanging out with. So I think you do. I mean, Freddie, right? Freddie. So I think Freddie is like um, the rabbit that only showed up occasionally. Okay. On Muppet Babies. Yeah. Like, I don't think he's a regular character. I think I think the rest of the characters are just like various scared teenagers from the movies. Okay. That they you know what you could do? This would be fun. Every episode ends with him murdering the other babies. And it's yeah, just a so new... it's a new rash of babies. Okay. Except for one baby murders him at the like electrocutes him at the end. Yeah, and then he's dead, and then the next episode starts with him coming back to life. And his mom bringing in a new batch of campers. Right. Of babies to her daycare center. Yeah. Her that she her... inexplicably keeps being allowed to run despite people well, getting the, murdered. Yeah, it's the Crystal Lake Daycare Center run by Jason's yes. mom, by Mrs. Voorhees. Yes. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Jason Babies coming to uh, Hulu later this year. I love it. I mean, we should probably go Disney Plus, but, you know. Oh, I don't know. Paramount Plus, right? Paramount. They got the rights back to Jason, so that, that's, that's who should right. be doing it. Yeah. So, it'll be on Paramount Plus. Okay. Uh, stay tuned for Jason Babies on Paramount Plus. <laughs> All right. But I wanted to resolve that, and now we can pivot, because that was important Yeah, so because that's, that's as far as I know, that's how we, one takes Manhattan. Well, and yeah. Jason just murdered, like, Jason didn't murder enough people in 1989 to make a dent in the statistics. Well, that's the thing is, you know, I believe the Muppet movie came after this, right? It was later, or was it before this? Mupp Muppets Take Manhattan was yeah. well before this. Was it before this? Okay, so Muppets So the Take blueprint was there for How to Take Manhattan. Okay, so they did it first, and I would imagine if you, if you wrote blank Takes Manhattan... And you asked people to fill in the blank. Everyone would say the Muppets. They're infamous for taking Manhattan. Jason, yes. that's not what he's known for. Their reign of terror in the Big Apple was far worse and damaging to uh, New York City culture than anything that Jason Voorhees ever did. Yeah, you try to throw them in those toxic slime sewers and they, they'll they no sell it. Yeah. Like their no aunt just died. Yeah, they'll no sell it like their aunt just died in a fiery car wreck. <laughs> <laughs> okay just wanted i wanted to clear that up you'll just see animal drinking a glass of nuclear sludge nuclear sludge <laughs> nuclear nuclear <laughs> nuclear and then he just gets big like he does in the muppet movie yeah he just goes full kaiju <laughs> oh okay man kaiju animal is a that's a whole different pitch that's a that's another that's that's the sequel to Muppets Take Manhattan. It's Muppets Take Manhattan Two, <laughs> Kaiju Animal. Um, yeah, Kaiju Animal. Yeah, it's what? it's the next part of the monster of uh of New Lines MonsterVerse or Lionsgate, whatever it is, MonsterVerse. Which I think he's formidable because I think who, you know, he's such an unpredictable fighter that I think you know the other Kaiju are really going to struggle. 
Yeah, I mean, I think he takes Godzilla. Kaiju Animal, I think definitely. Or not, not he definitely beats King Kong. He doesn't, I don't know about Godzilla's a, that's a question mark. Because the laser breath, you know, the nuclear power. But again, I think we're establishing that I don't know that any of those things have effects on Animal. That's fair. Yeah. And I think Animal just runs Godzilla back into the water by just do, finding a giant giant drum set and just doing a really loud. I was going to say, if he can get a hold of something that he could use as drumsticks, he's unstoppable. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> like, that's just a given. Yeah. I also just want to see him chained to something like King Kong and then snapping it so that he has that chain around his neck. Oh, obviously. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, pivoting. Yeah. Um. This movie is objectively terrible in yeah, it's, every conceivable fashion. It really is. And I, I mean, man, we, did I love every second of it. Like we really focused in on the opening scene, but I, I don't think if you haven't seen it, you can appreciate how much no one in this movie, like we were kind of joking about their characters. Nobody feels like a person in this movie. No, not at all. And this is the silver lining. Yeah. But I just like it is to a point that I kind of appreciate it because nobody act or talked or behaved or moved and everyone feels like they're standing there waiting for someone to call action. Like they left all the parts where they were like on their mark are all in the film. It feels like everyone is constant. The blocking is so strange. Everyone just stands around and waits for things. No, I don't think until they get to Manhattan I don't think anyone even really tries to run away from Jason. All of his kills on the boat are someone standing there and waiting to be stabbed. Yeah. Like those, those kids on the boat had a death wish. Like, let's be honest here. Yeah. Like, like nobody. So, you know, this movie took place in uh, 1989. And uh, as a result of the Titanic disaster, it is uh, actually law that a boat cannot set sail without enough life rafts for every single passenger on the boat. Yeah. So there's no evidence of anyone else making their way to a lifeboat. Nope. Not one. No. And we, I mean, as far as we know, we only see the kids, but there might have been other people. I don't know if this boat is exclusively chartered for the school or if there's just random people on the boat. There doesn't seem to be other chaperones either. The, the only no, there's two chaperones for 40 odd kids um, and the captain and, the, and the captain and the first mate and the guy that's just like, you're all going to die. I don't think that guy was supposed to be there. That guy's just there. He was a hallucinate. He was another hallucination. Also, just real quick, because I, I think we've said everything there is to say about him, but he's a huge silver lining in this movie. A huge silver lining. <laughs> yes. Uh, just but, a, such a bananas character. But you alluded to it, and uh, I think it's time to talk about it now, that without a doubt, the best scene in this movie, and it's not even close, is <laughs> so they establish that there is a character that is good at boxing, and we know this because... We see him boxing another one of the teens. Uh, and the just where, in the kitchen. In the kitchen for fun. They're boxing. He's really good at boxing. And so he, when he is in Manhattan and he's face to face with Jason, he's like, okay, I'm going to box Jason. He's cornered against Jason on a rooftop. And he decides, I'm going to box him. Jason, I realized watching this is the innovator of the Homer Simpson style of boxing because he stands there and is punched repeatedly in the head until literally this character is exhausted 
pounding on him. <laughs> so exhausted that like his swings don't even come close. Yeah, but he's because he is he is a good boxer and he is giving everything he has into every punch into Jason's head. He's also punching the mask, but he's he's really hitting him. Some body blows, too. And Jason's like walking backwards as he's hitting him. But there is no physical effect to this no like this this is uh peak cane level of intentional no selling yes uh and so he does this for a while until the literally the boxer character is just exhausted and can't even stand on his feet and then with one punch jason punches his head off and it flies through the air and lands in a dumpster and and then (laughs) oh wait there's more (laughs) Jason takes the head out of the dumpster, mm-hmm. puts it in the police car yep. that he's so sure that these people are going to tr- steal and drive away in. There's no way that he could. Yeah, there's nothing to indicate that this car is where they will end up. And the, and again, we, the, we see the head go into the dumpster. So he fished it out of the dumpster and put and it the in the lid police. closed. Yeah. And, and so he, there's no indication that Jason saw it. Rube Goldberg its way down the alley into the dumpster. No, because he didn't care. So there's a, there's an outtake from this movie where Jason spends 15 minutes looking for the head because he's like, this is going to be hilarious. Well, you know that they shot and didn't use um just a, a headshot of Jason just moving his head and you hear the sound effects of the of the dude's head ricocheting off and he's just like <laughs> tracing it with his head. You know, you know, like in uh, any number of Looney Tunes cartoons or or things like that. But yeah, and I look, I mean this dead seriously with no context. If that was a short film of a guy tries to box Jason and Jason punches the guy's head off, it's five stars. It should win the best short film Oscar. They should end the category. Like that sequence is perfect. And it doesn't matter that the the head getting punched off is the worst special effect in the entire movie. I'd argue it adds to it. I think it does. I think it no, I think you're right. It's um it's so clearly like like just a mannequin like makeup head and it's like oh, yeah. uh it's so it's the best thing in any Jason movie that we've watched so far. Unequivocally, it really is. It is like Rock'em Sock'em Robots. He just one punches him and the head just goes flying. <laughs> and it's not even like it's like a roundhouse punch. He just like kind of just bop. No, it's, like it a is cr- a Rock'em Sock'em Robot punch that, <laughs> that sends the head flying. And the deuce head goes flying. And it's yeah. the best thing. It's the best thing we've seen in a movie, watching a movie for this podcast this year. I'm just going to say it. I, I'm hesitant to commit to that without thinking about it, but I'm inclined to agree with you. It's it's the thing that I I think had the most brought me the most joy. It it it, it definitely brought me so much joy. Like, and we watch like I mean we watch movies that I love this year like uh, Temple of Doom, uh, and others that I'm forgetting. But we spent we we were so broken by. Uh, some of the months of this podcast that we just did movies that we like that people don't like Cabin Boy. Yeah, I mean, we watched Birds of Prey. We've watched some truly good movies this year. Yeah, that we really thoroughly enjoy. But this never has a silver lining stood out in such stark contrast to the rest of the film that it's in for this podcast. No, I I would argue that that scene is the reason that we do this podcast. That yes, we we wade through a New York City sewers worth of toxic waste. (laughs) 
in order to find these silver linings for you. But sometimes, sometimes Jason punches a guy's head off and it goes flying and lands in a dumpster and then the dumpster lid closes and then Jason goes down and finds the dumpster and takes the head out of it and puts it in a police car. Yeah. So, I mean, I think this is the right, that was the right note to end on, but there's one other thing that I have to talk about. Sure. And that's Kane Hodder. Oh, oh, our boy Kane Hodder, who so friend Kane of the Hodder, show, I've decided friend of the show, Kane Hodder. Um, yeah. I hope he listens to these because we love him. We oh, he's so great, and he's um, yeah, he's phenomenal. So the reason I bring him up, one like just great pantomime as Jason, phenomenal. Like he's iconic and deservedly so. One of the best like stunt performer actors I think that's ever done horror. Genuinely believe that. Yeah. At least one third of the IMDb trivia entries for this movie are about what a delight he is as a person. Yeah, they really are. Um, like it talks about how like he would just like do dance takes at the end, like do dance breaks at the end of takes and full Jason regalia just for fun, just to keep the mood light. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, um, would like play to the crowds that would inevitably like collect to watch some of the scenes that were actually filmed in New York and the scenes in Vancouver. Well, that was what I read that that was his like favorite. He said it was one of his favorite things he ever did as Jason was get to film in Manhattan because the crowd gathered. And he, like I read that he was, he kind of talked about how he kind of felt this pressure not to take the mask off, not to break character and to sort of play to the crowd that he would look at them, do the head tilt, at them and such like just because of the energy of how excited they were to just catch a glimpse of Jason while he was filming this. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, big ups to Kane Hodder. I mean, like. If you don't know, you think anyone could do that. Not anyone could do that. No, it's it's a thing we don't appreciate enough. And uh, it really is. Something that I am so fond of and why, uh, you know, it, it's really like because those characters and you mentioned Kane, you know, the wrestler Kane earlier. It's those characters that are like that, that are big honky, uh, hulking monsters who big honky monsters, <laughs> big honking monsters uh, who, you know, they don't talk and they they're just intimidating. All the little head tilts, all the mannerisms are so important because that's where the character comes from. It, it literally is Kane Hodder imbuing Jason, who on paper is not anything <laughs> into the character. Like he's giving him all of the personality and it's a really hard thing to do. And he's really good at it. Yeah, he's he's phenomenal. And so, yeah, like it was it was just great reading through the IMDb trivia and seeing like most of it being about how cool he is. Yeah. Also, there is a weird side note to this film, uh, which is so Kane Hodder has played Jason in, in three of the four movies that we've talked about on this. But the one that he didn't was Freddy versus Jason. And in that film, it was actually Ken Kersinger who played Jason and uh, just I don't know, coincidentally, or, or I guess, or, you know, maybe it led to that, but he, Ken Kersinger is in this film in the opening clip that we heard, uh, he plays a guy who works in the diner and the clip that we played ends with Jason smashing through the diner. 
But then what happens is Kersinger is the guy who confronts him to be like, hey, what are you doing here? And Jason picks him up and throws him into a mirror, like just completely crushing him. But that's just like a fun note about this film that you have Jason throwing a future Jason. Into- there was almost like a passing of the torch moment. Yeah, because even I think in this film, Kurt Singer was sort of doubling as Jason for some of the shots. So he was working as a stunt guy as you know with kane hotter in this so that's just like a little thing also just since we're talking about that scene too i do think it's a silver lining the the most new york woman ever in that scene that's like you know welcome to new york like just she's there's a payphone in the back but it's broken like just I i would have loved to see every audition for that part but i have no doubt that she nailed it of just she is New York City. <laughs> like th- that after she did her read, they just went out into the hallway. It's like, uh, everyone else can go home. Thank you for coming. Uh, we got our we've got our person. So, uh, yo, did you see enough or you want more? And they're like, you want me to get. <laughs> it's like, wow, she's really method. What do you mean I'm method? <laughs> you call me a meth head? I'm not no meth head. What the fuck's wrong with you? <laughs> sure, I potty a little, but I'm no meth head. You want me to call my Uncle Frankie? We got a problem? <laughs> Are we done here? <laughs> we done here? Uh, we just want to let you know that you got the part. You talking to me? <laughs> I'm walking here. <laughs> oh man, this was a fun episode, and I loved it. And I I'm confident that we have a great month ahead, and it's only gonna get spookier from here. <laughs> Silver Linings Playback is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. Hey guys, it's Sean. And Carter. From Potato. Salad. Marmalade. Eight. 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 Potato Salad Marmalade. Another podcast here on the Peak Sloth Network. Check it out.